There is no shame in what you are feeling, Harry. On the contrary, the fact that you can feel pain like this is your greatest strength. Dumbledore. I am a multidimensional fractal of consciousness, currently expressing as a human being in the most authentic way that we can imagine. Welcome to Mental Magic. Hi loves, this is Chris, and before we dig into this episode, I needed to give you guys a disclaimer for any of my friends who are religiously inclined, especially those who are still in the Christian world. This may be one of those episodes that might be best for you to skip if alternative ideas about scripture and biblical stories offend you or upsets you. It's never my goal to offend anyone, but I also fervently believe that we are all entitled to our own opinions. We are all entitled to our own interpretations of the worlds and stories and myths that we are handed as children and that we continue to engage with in our waking adult lives. So if you make the conscious decision to continue to listen to this episode, I ask that you do so with an open mind. And I also invite you to maybe observe your own internal world, your thoughts, your beliefs, your emotions as you're listening and see if you can ask yourself questions about what comes up for you and what beliefs are being challenged inside of you and how that makes you feel. I think as we are learning how to hold space for the ideas and opinions of others, we also are learning how to hold space for the aspects of our own internal systems that maybe we don't give enough attention to or that we have pushed into the recesses of our own consciousness. So this is going to be a wild journey. I'm excited to share my friend with you all. And I am always open to follow up conversation if that is something that is of interest to you. All right. So please enjoy my good friend, Kevin Gemma. So today's guest is a friend that I've known since I was like 18 or 19, right? Because you've already graduated by the time I met you. So yeah, we've known each other for so many years and you've seen me in so many different versions of myself. It's kind of scary to think that you have a long memory (laughs) because I was a completely different person back then. But um, this guy, he's someone that is one of my closest friends, close confidant, like literally I can let down all of my guards and just be whoever I am in the moment and know that I'm going to be supported and seen. And also all of my masks are going to be seen through. So I really can't bullshit (laughs) when I'm talking to Kevin, but um, I'm so grateful that he came on today. And so Kevin, if you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, Yeah, I guess I'd start off with my name, which is Kevin. I question if I had to say it now because I wouldn't have chose it. But um, I would, I guess, describe myself as a recovering empath again. Um, and I'm somewhere in the middle of rediscovering myself after a crazy depression that I had last year. And I would say that beyond just knowing you for so long, I'd say it's amazing to see the growth in you 
that has taken mm-hmm. place over the so I've known you since 2008 or nine. It's been crazy because it's been like you've had more resurrections than Jesus, I would say. And <laughs> it, it, I don't think people understand just what a big deal this is that you're even doing this. Because if you would have bet back in 09, who would be likely to do a It would have been me. It would not have been. For me. sure. For sure. So, like a thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. So it's just... It's just interesting to see where, you know, life takes people. And um, I'm glad you're growing in your power and that you are um, really coming into your own. Because I always thought that this person was possible. Now, I didn't know podcasts, but I did think that you you, you were definitely going to open up to the world because you have a lot to share. A lot. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's like the sweetest thing you've ever said. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, uh, I decided to open up with love. So I'm starting off all of these guest episodes with one question. And the question that I'm most curious to see how people answer is, how does it feel to be you? Oh, boy. How does it feel to be me? That is interesting since I'm still trying to figure out fully who I am. Mm-hmm. But um I would definitely say it's a roller coaster. And I'm a lot less up and down than I was when I was younger and still trying to figure out all these different emotions and all these experiences that I was trying to rationalize in my head. But I would definitely say that it's it's definitely a roller coaster. But it's one that I look to I don't know if you ever seen that movie, Thelma Luis. I haven't actually. Oh man, there's a famous scene where Susan Sarandon, I forget the, the name of the other woman, where they finally just drive off, like, and they literally just set themselves free. I, I want that feeling. Like, I want to just like, jump off the cliff and just understand that I'll be fine, like something like that. But I'm a mystery even unto myself. So that's one of the things where it's just hard to even gauge that question because even I surprise myself. And I think that's really connected to the mystery of just what it is to be human. Like, what are we even doing here? You know? True. So jumping right off from that, I know you said that, that last year you went through a deep depression. And I mean, you and I both know I'm very familiar with that kind of energy. So with that, how did you navigate that energy and how did you kind of come out of it? Was it something that you did to let the fog part? Ironically, I still haven't fully come out of it. Yeah, I'm still dealing with, I would say, some of the shrapnels of it. So this seems like something that's going to be a multi-year thing whereas I thought that you know when I initially went into it it might take like a couple weeks but I guess what happened was that it was based off one big episode but what it did was it unraveled the whole it opened up Pandora's box Mm -hmm. and because it was something that had built up over at that point 32 years it's almost feeling like it's going to take multiple years for me to get out of it because it's a bunch of things that were just either hidden under the surface or date back to childhood that I figured out. Mm -hmm. And initially to describe that, I would say it was scary because at that point you have to remember the way I was brought up, especially in African culture and then quote unquote African American culture. We don't do breakdowns like that. Mm-hmm. allegedly it's a white thing even though that's even crazy for that to happen because we know things like uh, post-slave traumatic disorder all these different things exist within our race mm-hmm. psychologically but we're just taught to especially as men 
to just, you know, look, look past it. And (laughs) I just remember there were lots of nights of just crying, just trying to, and I hadn't cried like that, like ever. And just trying to figure out like, what was me? Like, how could this happen? Like, I I really felt like the the biblical character, Job, Mm -hmm. at that point, wondering why this so-called God or whatever had sprung this on me. Cause it came at a point where I thought things were about to change. Mm-hmm. Like I was looking at, I was about to start my own family. I was about to do a move to the Midwest. Like there was a bunch of different things that was about to happen at that point. And I thought I was going to be a father for the first time. Yeah. And to have it all get taken away in one fell swoop. And not only that, the, the, the craziest part about it was that not that I'm, big believer valentine's day but it was on valentine's day Mm. it was like damn like what is like i worked my life to this point thinking that i will always want to start a family i i'm on the precipice of having it right and then boom and so for me i don't know it just unraveled a lot of things and unraveled things from just my uh, adult years collegiate years and then the childhood one is the one that's really the thing that's the reason why I say it's going to take multiple years. Because I know people, some people have heard the term inner child healing, mm-hmm. but because so many of us in our adult years really don't go back to those time periods and understand a lot of the things that we hid in those closets back then will broom up to the surface in our adult years. That's the one that's taking me the longest time. I'd say the adult stuff, not as much. It's, it's that stuff. Because a lot of that stuff that was hidden on the surface came to the surface at that point, and it just shut everything down. Like I, I had never been that scared in my life. Um, and this is coming from someone who's been mugged at gunpoint and all these different things. Still, never. I don't know. Mental warfare. I see now why people say mental abuse is worse than physical abuse because the the amount of stuff that I I let slide and let happen or not deal with over the years really caused it to be something that was just a harrowing experience for me like and so it's not something that i would say that i came out of i'm coming out of it but it's day by day and it's learned to take small victories not try to swing for home runs not try to do something drastic that's going to you think is going to completely alleviate the pain because you Mm -hmm. might think that and there were days where i thought that i'm cured i'm good to go I can even go back to work because I remember I wouldn't I wasn't even working at a certain point yeah. because I was that mentally unfit man go try to go back and then just crash again it's just it's tough man it is tough like mm-hmm. uh, I have real empathy for people that go through depression I, I now understand the people who jump like I understand them a lot more I talk about suicide and I plan to talk a lot more about suicide on this podcast, but there is that huge stigma with it. It's something that's kind of like still in the closet where people who have attempted, people who have ideation, we don't talk about it because it's so taboo in our society. But there is that moment when you have the internal pain, the internal voices, all of that chaos raging inside of you, it does sometimes feel like that's the best option. And, 
you had mentioned that doing the inner child work or the inner child healing work is something that is an ongoing process for you now. Are you doing it with anybody? How are you kind of navigating doing that work and holding space for that younger version of yourself that is so wounded? Originally, I was doing it with certain people that were more metaphysically inclined in me. But lately, it's been kind of once where I'm kind of putting my hands on the wheel now, and it's just me dealing with it. And it's not really something that I do every day, just because I don't believe that you should be healing every day. Like you should take some days because that that's that can be very exhausting, um, especially going back to certain episodes. But it is one of the things where when it feels right or when I feel like it's the time to delve into the mores of, you know, what might have happened when I was like eight or something like that. I do. I also do things like I watch like things on YouTube or read literature on the way different ways that people have done inner child healing and work. And I try to figure out what's best for me mm-hmm. um, intuitively. So it's not really something that where I can say anything structurally I could give you because it's just one of those things where I feel that I'm trying to gain. But that's pretty much what I've been doing right now lately is when it feels right to do it, then I try to do it and depending on what it is based on experiential learning or just certain things I've seen. Mm -hmm. I I do that. And when you do that work, do you feel any kind of release? Or I know you had mentioned with the Thelma and Louise, that freedom that you're looking for. Is there a brief moment of freedom or is there any kind of experience that you have as you're doing that work that lets you know that you're kind of on the right path for your soul's purpose or whatever you want to call it? Mm -hmm. I would say it feels like I'm opening up Jumanji every, every damn time. every damn time it feels like I'm just opening up Jumanji into like a a certain episode at a different point in young Kev's life and it's like A, it'll be amazing because there are days where I can barely remember last week and so for me to remember certain things that was so vivid from like, um, you know, before you know, Bill Clinton was in office even Mm -hmm. it, it throws me off that I'm able to recall that but it's one of those things that shows me that it was such a, a deep memory that young me wanted me, older me, to remember that. Yeah. And to eventually probably deal with it. Because I don't think that we give, I don't think we give our younger selves a lot, a lot of credit when we do this type of work. Because for us to even be able to access some of those things, like 30, some people even 40, 50 years later, that's amazing. Because of, you know, how much things you go through in a day and how much things you've gone through in a lifetime. To be able to have those episodes to recall was just, you know, I, I was impressed with young Kev. And then just the fact that I didn't fold. I mean, it was a lot of different things from molestation to just different things growing up in the bad parts of Miami. It just, it amazed me that, you know, I didn't break then. But then it was one of those things where I looked at myself funny for then why I let last year happen. or Why did it finally all come, you know? All of it came down, even my mask, everything like people used to think I had it all together and they didn't realize that I was. And technically, I didn't even realize that that I was hanging on by a thread the entire time. And there was just one thing. It just took that one push to just let everything go. And just I was surprised. I was surprised. I never thought I could be, you know, the guy that could have a midlife crisis, especially at uh, 32. But alas, (laughs) you know, life Life made a fool of me at that point, but it was definitely needed, I would say, mm-hmm. because a lot of those masks had to come down. Similar to your journey experiences, which is how you got to even this point, a lot of the masks got to get removed now, a lot. And when you say masks, 
what do you mean by masks? So masks, I would say, are outward projections that people give of themselves that do not align with what they are inwardly. Mm-hmm. Like, I truly do believe your inner self is your true self. The mm-hmm. self that's the, the you that's you when no one's around is who you really are. That's why people say that character is who you are when no one's around. Also, that's, that stuff is true. Now, there were aspects of my outward self that were true, but I either embellished or fine-tuned it in a way that could be packaged and branded for public society. Right. And unfortunately, it got to a point where I had done that so much that I was losing base with the inner self at a certain point. And, you know, once the crash happens, it's just like everything unraveled because the thing that people don't get is that it's exhausting wearing masks. Mm -hmm. It is. These character masks are heavy. It's almost like the sort of Damocles always hanging over your head. And you're always walking around that not knowing when that sword's going to drop Mm -hmm. or when that mask is going to break. And then people realize that the emperor has no clothes. Or the wizard is, it's not that big a deal, the Wizard of Oz. So dealing with that was real revelatory, I would say. It was real, it was real insightful to see that. And it's why I try now to just be more, more and more closer to me than than ever, because at this point I just realized that I don't give a damn anymore. Like I don't give a damn. I'm going to be me for the entirety of my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's funny because a lot of people, especially on social media, say, I'm going to do me, but then do somebody completely different than who they are. And that's something that just, nah. If I'm going to die and if I'm going to have an epitaph and all that stuff, it's going to be the person. People are going to commemorate the person that actually was him and not mm-hmm. somebody that, you know, if you see a lot of funerals, you see that people tend to find out that this person wasn't what they thought they were. And they're like, nah. I'm not trying to have that in my last few decades on earth. Like I want to go out on my own terms. I want to live on my own terms. So for me, that's just one of the things that I think has helped in this process is coming to that realization. I so resonate with that. I mean, that's literally this whole part of my journey is finally unmasking myself. I feel like I have played a thousand different characters as you (laughs) alluded to. And every single one had an aim to fit into an external reality that I knew I didn't necessarily belong in, but I knew how to make it work. And I knew how to make people believe that I'm one of you guys. Like I'm part of this team. Let's do this. And I mean, I guess I should have got the hint as I kept switching to different communities and different friend groups or whatever that I was literally playing characters. But I think it was too scary to come face to face with myself and just ask myself the question of who am I really? Who do I think I am? And also who do I want to be? Mm. And so on that same thread, who do you think you are? I know you said you don't really know, but I don't think it's a knowable answer, but just in, you know, a general sense, who do you think you are and and who do you want to be? A wizard, Harry. Um, No, I mean, again, (laughs) for me, me, I just, I want to be magic. Like I want to be someone that feels like they're magical, like that, that, doesn't feel bounded by human limitations from gravity, 
onward. Like I want to be someone that's just daring. That's just outgoing. That's spreading different messages and stuff based on my experiences. And I don't want to say light exactly. Cause I think sometimes, you know, you should spread shadows too, which is something that you do a, a very good job of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to be someone that does those type of things based on the experiences that I've gone through to kind of help raise the class consciousness outside of that. I just, I just want to be a goofball sometimes too. I just want to be, you know, I, I enjoy being that and I enjoy just learning from people and just taking things as a go. Yeah. I would say, I guess, in one answer to your actual question though, I want to be more intuitive. I want to be more intuitive. Like I want to be able to just trust in my abilities to make things happen without a manual, without any of that without outside noise or even some of the inner noises that I, I always wrestle with. I just want to be able to trust in my power and all that and trust that whatever I decide, even if it looks like a mistake, it will lead to, you know, greater outcomes going forward. Cause that is something that I realized I did not do a good job of just being intuitive. Yeah. I love that. That idea of wanting to build more self-trust and that's definitely the path I'm on as well. And you had mentioned a desire to raise the class consciousness. And I don't know, we're probably going to keep saying this throughout this episode, but the fact that we are even in this space to where we're talking about class consciousness and intuition and our energy, like neither one of us were on this trip 20 years ago. How did you awaken essentially how did you come to a place where you became aware of your consciousness and of the whole system of belief around being you know the irony of that question is weirdly you're one of the people that was the problem that that led to that the problem (laughs) yeah the problem i would say the problem (laughs) because life was so much simpler before i came into metaphysics and all this different and a quantum lifestyle it's actually easier to be a muggle than a wizard, I would tell people. Like, it really is. It because sure is. I and you're only dealing with the mundane. Mm-hmm. And you're only dealing things from a basic human level. Everything is so simple. When you have to take into account different things, like your, your inner, outer self, all these different dynamics, these metaphysical dynamics, it can be daunting. It can be very daunting. For sure. And one of the things that, that came into it was post-Trump election, I was noticing that a lot more of my friends at the time were posting about the the state of the nation and the world and how just, you know, polarizing things had gotten and how we need to do a return to class. They were saying things like class consciousness. And at that point, I was thinking more, especially because I'm I'm, I'm an economics major. I'm thinking more of them in Marxist terms, like Mm -hmm. social class, like economics. But obviously, this is a different um, type of class consciousness they were talking about. And then um, I started looking into it more. Then fast forward a little bit, you start telling me you're dabbling with your spiritual journey and all these different things that you were going through at the time. And so every time you were speaking, what I would do is I was looking things up that you were saying. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it just, you know, different people got me down, different spiritual avenues that just led to just me thinking that, yo, that there really is something bigger to this world than just than just a mundane. Like I always go back to that Socratic quote, the unexamined life is a life that's not worth living. Like Socrates had it on the money when he said that. And to me, I realized how little of my life I'd actually examined to that point. Mm -hmm. And the crash 
completely revealed that because, you know, everything that, you know, again, the, the crash wasn't just one episode. It was an episode that ended up revealing so many other different episodes from prior to that, that I either not fully, we want to go with a movie game watched or dealt with. And now to me to go back and like either, you know, finish up some of those chapters or understand, you know, whatever lessons was supposed to be gained from them. But yeah, you definitely were one of the people that helped get me onto that journey. Okay. Well, uh, I apologize, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) So being on this journey, how has it changed the way, because I know you're in law school right now and you're still kind of navigating the 3D, quote unquote, mundane muggle reality. Mm -hmm. How do you engage with that reality in a different way now that you're awake, we can say? I would say that I don't take the mundane as seriously anymore. Hmm. I used to let the mundane consume me to a degree where I used to think that this shit was real. Yeah. And once you get to a point where you start to realize, I mean, movies stay trying to warn us about it. There's different literature that stay trying to warn us of us. The ancestors tried to warn us of it. This plane isn't real. I and mean, it feels real. It, it, it It's I'm very big on simulation theory and all that. And once I understand there's something greater, or there's something bigger, or there's something more than just this, the things that happen in this realm, well, I'm not saying I ignore it. Like, you don't shirk the responsibilities or duties. Mm-hmm. I don't take it to the head or I'm not as anal about it as I used to be. Mm-hmm. Like, once you understand that this isn't the end for you, because that's the thing that keeps a lot of us stuck here. And that's the thing that keeps a lot of us, you know, bogged down or not as metaphysically inclined is that we think this is it. We think this is real. We think that once we pass, that might be it for us. And a lot of people then end up not realizing they're living in fear of that. Because, again, when you're living like, you know, there may not be tomorrow or whatever, you 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 don't tend to you never tend to stop and smell the roses. You never tend to appreciate any of the things that you've you've done you don't appreciate what could be because you're always worried about you know the end or you're always worried about you know bills all these different things now to me i'm like man look i'll figure it out because i've figured it out before right or yeah i've gotten through it before like it's like you still see so i was on twitter today you still see people dealing with heartbreak terribly and it's like I'll be looking at them sometimes like, yo, this is your eighth heartbreak this month. Like, how are you like still, like, how is it still that visceral for you? Like at that point. Mm -hmm. And it's because we take it, like we make it an all or nothing type deal. A lot of these mundane issues. And it's not, it's not like you've come overcome it. You will always overcome it. And I don't even like giving, you know, what a lot of people do. It's like, oh, God got me through this. Well, then God got you through this. Then didn't he put you in it? Like, again, so why doesn't he get credit for when you, why doesn't he, I have to put quotations around he, because I have issues with that. But um, then, you know, give, give this God the same credit when you know you're in it, like who put you in it. And for me, I just wish more people would adopt a quantum lifestyle and realize they're not passive observers to their experiences. They are very active in the thing that's going on. In fact, to a certain degree, they're creating this. And once you realize what some of the things like Truman Show and different things are trying to show us, the Matrix and all these different things are trying to show us, you really start to understand you have a lot of accountability to, you know, what's going on in this world than you think. 
And once I started understanding that, then yeah, the mundane stuff, come on now. Like, no, that doesn't phase you anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I totally agree in how when you become conscious of the life that you're living and the ways in which your choices are creating and adding to the narrative that is playing out on the external frame, I totally agree that taking responsibility and accountability for your own internal life as well as the life that you're externally presenting to the world it changes the game and it changes how you move in the world and how you see other people and so with the depressive state that you've been in with the knowledge that you have around living as you say like a quantum lifestyle how have you framed it to where you are still able to keep going every day and um, while still holding true to the bigger picture that is the paradox of life? I guess it feels like every day that I'm getting on um, King's platform nine and three quarters. Like it, it feels like every day I'm going to Hogwarts now. Like once all you the become, Harry Potter references. Oh, always, <laughs> always. Because that's literally what it, it feels like. Look, the reason why I say that I joke saying that, you know, you're one of the people that put me on this, like, this shit, like, really, you know, did, did as much damage, but as much blessings it has done in my life. It's yeah. because once you got what, once I got what the purpose of me figuring this stuff out was, it was like getting the acceptance letter to Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. It's like I graduated from muggle to wizard at that point, because now you're dealing with, and literally, and this is literal. You're dealing with a state of being and a state of existence that the mother world cannot see. Most mm. people, because they're so bogged down in the mundane, and mind you, these are real, you know, fears and stuff that people have. But it's like right. if you're only seeing the earthly stuff, you can never see like what people claim that they have their third eye. You can never see what you know is there, right? Because like, a lot of the stuff that you're going to come into contact with when you deal with your metaphysical journey aren't things that you can like visibly see or physically see. It's one of some of the things you're going to have to really get good at intuition. You're going to have to really get good at being in the dream state a lot and doing a lot of unconscious work mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which is stuff that, you know, still scares me. But it's one of the things where I'm going to get better at doing, be more conscientious of. And for me, that feeling is dope. You know, it's like putting a sorting hat on every damn day. And like there are days where sometimes I get put in, you know, you know, Slytherin some days. Uh, Gryffindor, never Hufflepuff because we don't play that here. But um, um, uh, oh, yeah, um I know. excuse that was a shot me, at you. Was a shot at you, <laughs> shot at you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know it, it, that that's what keeps me going. It's because it's just it's a new thing every day, and it's so crazy because I might learn only one thing that day. Yeah, but I try to take as much meaning as I can from it, and just I take it as win. Because to me, every day I'm learning out, every day I'm figuring out something new about myself for the the world around me, and I, I love it. I love that. So, can you give me one of the things that you've learned recently? Oh, that I was uh, I was always scared of the best case scenarios. I was always scared of that. And I remember there was a time period where you used to get on me for always being self-deprecating in my jokes and all that stuff. And the reason I do that is because it's easier to put myself down than to think highly of myself. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about being in this state is that you view yourself more like a God. Now, obviously when we, people like us say that we don't obviously mean like a transcendent, you know, creator, which, you know, people tend to be like, that's why people think what we say is blasphemous, but 
Yeah. You are definitely a creative world. You definitely have, you know, some say in what what's going on around you. But I realized that back then I was scared of succeeding because I was so used to either failure or middling results sometimes when I got my hopes up that I began to think that that was my only reality. Mm. And so when the good things happened, I either didn't know how to handle it. I couldn't sustain it, which is the biggest thing. Or I just, you know, I rejected it because I didn't believe it was true. It's too good to be true. It's almost like a snake oil salesman came to me with something. And that is something that, you know, <laughs> I'm learning to not do. Because now that's what I expect. Now I expect, you know, I was reading the book, uh, Great Expectations. Well, I expect great things for myself now. Like, mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like that you're a wizard, Harry moment when, you know, Dumbledore tells you that um, I, I really am in that mode right now. And um, it feels like you're always looking in the mirror of Eris head every day, like seeing, you know, the things that you want to see. And then, you know, it's on me to go out there and go achieve it. And that's part of the fun now. It's yeah. like whatever I think would have been in that mirror would say, could I achieve it that day? And even if I don't, just the fact that I'm working on it, I take, you know, solace in that too. So for sure. I love that idea of finally confronting the voice inside of you that is not allowing you to step into what you could be and the greatness you could accomplish. That fear of success. I think that plagues so many of us because we live in a culture that is so and full of anxiety and waiting for the next shoe to drop and waiting for something to go wrong. And so to be able to have that insight and to be able to have that awareness that you can actually live towards goodness and expect great things to come from your experience in life and hold space for the good things that do come. That's amazing. And I'm so happy that you came to that. So for us, we both grew up with a very religious context. I believe you grew up Catholic. Yeah, Catholic and then Baptist, yeah. And then Baptist, and then I grew up Baptist, and then RCA and some other, I don't know. I don't know what my Christianity devolved into or evolved into, but it's different. And especially with a broader idea of what consciousness is and what life is, my context and idea of God has changed dramatically to a point where I would still say I believe in God. I absolutely believe God exists. I wouldn't say that it is a dude in the sky that's like orchestrating our lives and telling us which way to go and having some fate about where we're going to end up when we die. But I do believe that there is a consciousness that we have all fractalized from and an aspect of that consciousness is within each of us and we're able to connect with it inside and outside of ourselves. For you, what does God mean, look like? How do you um, frame the existence or non-existence of that God figure? I would say that I'm closer in the answer you gave, but if you're to ask me like seriously and put like truth serum to me, I still don't know. Mm-hmm. And I remember I realized how little I knew when there was a podcast you put me on and the guy got asked what is God to him and he couldn't give an answer. And at that very moment, I realized I too could not give an answer to that. Like mm-hmm. it, it's been something cause you know, once, you know, you, you get out of the mundane and you don't think it's some sky daddy that's just up there. Yeah. It becomes hard to then 
realize, you know, like what I said earlier, if you go with the mundane concept of God, he's this everlasting sky daddy that's omnipotent, that also deals with predestination because he knows everything that's going to happen and has been. Mm-hmm. But he's also only to be given credit for your successes, but never for the, the failures. Mm-hmm. The failures is only on you. Right. But the successes all has to go to him. Right. He is the God that, you know, created everything, which would then include the devil. But he can only be given credit for the heaven. Right. Even though, even if you want to be religious and play with that Bible, the Old Testament actually gives the, the gives the game away. Because it, for the story of Job, which has rapidly become one of my favorite stories in the Bible, it exposes the fraud with the mundane concept of God, because God is actively communicating with the quote unquote devil. He's letting the devil test one of his subjects. That doesn't make any sense with the concept that the new Testament gives of the God and Satan, where God is in this active war with Satan. When you're seeing that they're almost like buddies, like making a bet on, you know, one of their subjects. Inactive relationship. Yeah. And, and people have to realize what even the devil used to mean back in Old Testament. It was really like they have different concepts and different figures like Samael, different things like that. And when you break it down, and I was even reading certain tarot's thing, the devil is just a tester. He just tests, or not even he, it just tests you. It tries to expose what you really are. So it's necessary. Mm. Um, it's the light bringer, you know, mm. bringing the consciousness. Why do you yep. think they named it Lucifer? Lucifer comes as Roman uh, translation for light bringer. Mm-hmm. If you even look at two of the figures that I love the most is Lucifer and Prometheus in, um, from the Greek. Mm-hmm. Lucifer brings knowledge to man that, quote unquote, the biblical God doesn't want man to have. People never stop and realize how crazy and how ridiculous that is and how moral you just made the God is because he's like a jealous father that does not want his uh, subjects to do anything but just adore him. Mm-hmm. Whereas Lucifer tries to bring light and then, you know, because of that, you know, we view him how we view him. Prometheus, what he was to the Greek story was that he was the the, the one that brought man fire. Mm-hmm. And from fire, then knowledge and all these different things became possible. And if you notice in both stories, the God of that, the Greek God Zeus, and then, you know, Jehovah or whatever you want to call him, they both punish the person that tries to help humanity. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. both do. And it's just so interesting because to me, once... I became aware of that. I'm like, nah, man, like now I'm viewing things differently. Like when I think of the story of Jesus being in the wilderness for what, 40 days, 40 nights, and he's talking to the devil, but there was no one around. So anyone with a rational brain would realize that he was talking to himself and that the devil's a part of him too. Thank you. And that, you know, <laughs> because again, when you start to realize that you're your own Messiah and devil, and you start to realize that even in the, Bible, they even bring up that they were good and bad angels. Like, even if you want to play with that, Lucifer's all bad. He started mm-hmm. off as an angel. He didn't start off as a demon. So if you want to play that game, then you have to realize that they're, quote unquote, and I'm not really getting into, you know, that good or bad stuff, but I'm just saying, if For you sure. want to go with that, there is good and bad angels too, and there has to be good and bad demons. And actually, I do know that, because if you really study demonology, yeah, some of the people that were calling angels are actually demons was there were good demons. So like there were times where you were supposed to consult your demons, whatever, deal with your, like even when we use the terms, face your demons, 
that's actually mm-hmm. a good thing. But we, we but we automatically demonize the demons, which you know, it's just interesting. Again, for me, the concept of God is still something that's fluid. And I would even tell people that if you're going to assign it a gender as far as either conscious or actual body, I definitely think it's more feminine. I definitely think it it start off as a feminine consciousness or energy just because God is creative. God is creative. Like, and, and the thing that people have to understand, it's the feminine energy we get create, creative powers from. For sure. But the problem I think that happened is that because one half of the human species would feel left out to that, they automatically reject that concept or whatever. So for me, I think that God is a feminine consciousness that we are all a part of. And from there, things get murky for me. But I do think at some point that we do get the collective class consciousness up to a point where, you know, I don't want to say utopic, but, you know, it's definitely a lot better than what we're in. This 3D thing is running itself into the ground. Like it just, literally. We're literally in the apocalypse, the unveiling yeah. of the truth or the untruth yes. and delusions that we've been living in. So I, I fully agree with that aspect of it. And I mean, when it comes to trying to name God, it, it is an impossible task because how can us as the created essence name that which created us? Like it, it just... The ancestors did a good job of it. The ancestors did a completely good job. They told you what it was. I am. If you go back and you go, if people go back and go, they go actually get the original translation of the Bible. Mm-hmm. The God wasn't Jehovah or nothing. It was literally when you translate it, his name is I am. And why that was so funny is that, okay, imagine yourself walking around, calling out to God. And instead of saying God, you're saying I am. I am. And it's a sick yeah. trick because what it's trying to tell you is that you are a part of God. You are, quote unquote, a God in this, this you know, this realm. And that you have more say so, like all the things that you attribute to God, all the, the glory that you give to God. Because think about it, to God, to, to God, the glory, all these different things. You're supposed to give yourself. Like again, I have a huge issue, and I tell people, you will never catch me. Like if I were to win an award or something, like that, you will never catch me the first thing thanking God. Why? Because if I'm not going to give him the give him the credit for when things go wrong. I'm not giving them for credit for when things go right because in both instances, people don't realize that was you that went through that. Mm. That was you. That was you. Like you'll see mothers that go have a successful delivery and the first thing they do is think, I'm like, that, that was you that got through that labor. That was you that did all that. Like, why is it that you are never that dope? But when things go wrong and all that stuff, whatever, it's on you. Mm. Nah, I don't know. Like yeah, I'm no yeah. longer giving an outside force my power. I feel that. That thousand percent agree with. Yeah. Get out of here with that. Like, there's no disrespect to people that are religious because you can do that if you want. And there, there are good things to that, I guess, whatever. Yeah. I can see the goods in that. But to me, it really cheapens the the, the experience here. Mm-hmm. It really does because you never realize how dope you are when you do that. You don't. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And and giving or reframing for me the idea of giving so much glory to something that is outside of myself without the recognition that if I believe, if I truly believe in what I've been told about the nature of God and the story of Jesus and all of that, the Holy Spirit lives 
in me as much as the Holy Spirit lives outside of me. Therefore, if I was to be true to the sentiment of I'm giving glory to God, I'm also giving glory to myself. I'm giving giving glory to the I am that I am. Whenever we make the statement, I am, and then add whatever label we put, we are still aligning ourselves with the core that is I am. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. And I wish people went back to calling God that. I really do. It's it, it would make things so much more clear because, again, I always tell people, man, the original things, if you understood what that Bible was originally and what it got turned into, it just it, it would expose a lot of things. People, I'm not going to change other people's perception of it. Um, no, of course not. But, but it's interesting to be able to openly talk about our understandings about what we now think or what what, the way that we have evolved our way of thinking about this and I would say for me in a lot of ways brainwashed religion uh, uh, it was very much like all or nothing you have to believe this if you don't believe this you're going to hell and the joke in it for me is that I woke up realizing I had been living in hell for so many years. So there was nothing to be afraid of. I mean, it's just, again, people, <laughs> when you look around at all the things that go on in this world, yeah, like things like mass murders, pedophilia, all these different things, and you were to really take a critical look at Gaia or Earth or whatever, you really would just be describing something close to Dante's Inferno. Like Absolutely. you'd be describing hell. You'd be describing certain aspects of hell. And so why people think that that you aren't already in hell at points in time. But then also I tell people there are times where you can find the heaven and the beauty in earth mm-hmm. and you feel like you're in paradise. Yeah. And how people can't see that that duality and that binary exists. Like you it's a state of mind. Right. It really is. Like today, someone on Twitter asked, you know, why don't we get more billionaires to uh end poverty? And what I did was uh I chose the answer just because I was feeling at that point. I'm like, how can billionaires end a state of mind? There are people that are residents of Calabasas. Mm-hmm. We all know how you know fluent you have to be to live there. Who are living in a state of depression, who hate themselves, mm-hmm. who hate everything about their existence. There are villagers in Nicaragua who just are loving life. Literally. Even though, you know, socioeconomically, they're at the bottom. They're just loving life. And so to me, that's what I say is that when we view things always through the physical lens or, you know, the economic lens, you miss out what this this existence and this experience can be about. And for me, I just I, I really refuse to do that because you we are all very rich, richer than we understand. It's just we've been made to think that, you know, we're 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 less dead. Hell no, because people don't understand when you're that, that quote, given to God was God and given to Caesar was Caesar. You're both. You are really both when you actually really understand what that is. You're both. But, you know, from God to government, you know, the things that we, you know, chose to concede, it's just, I just can't do that anymore. Again, I I do believe in the JCLs. I do believe in religion being a a tag that's put on a lot of us at birth and all that. And just, it's really on to us to remove it, but it is, it is programming. I Mm -hmm. definitely believe it is matrix programming. I I will never, (laughs) I will never not believe that that's not what that is. You know, I think that it is an extremely powerful program, but I also think seated within it is also the key to escape it. 
Like within the jail cell that is religion, there is the key to call it spirituality, call it consciousness, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Your freedom lies at the heart of it if if you allow yourself to open up to the heart of what the actual message is of Jesus, of the prophets, Mm -hmm. of those who are claiming that the world is on fire and the answer is in deep relationship with the core of your being. Yeah, although I will say when I, I, I went in that deep dive, man, it made me so sad and reflective because it really took me to a dark place about like where religion can like lead people. Like for you to be so gung-ho about that, that you can't even see another side. Like there's yeah. no other side. There's no other truths. There's no anything. It's absolute in a world that shows you that there is nothing absolute about it. Mm-hmm. nothing like i said heaven and hell both exist in this realm mm-hmm. like the very fact that religion teaches that it's two separate claims of existence is ridiculous because think about it if you go back to the war in heaven story if people really break it down and you even want to use it from a religious standpoint they say that the turn in lucifer came when he became dissatisfied with god the different stories have it over jesus or over different things so that must have meant that heaven the quote-unquote heaven at this point became a hell for lucifer right but people don't realize that right. people don't get it or whatever. And it's almost like, and that's one of the things that people say, you can have too much of good thing. Like people that love chocolate. Well, if you have too much of it, eventually it gets you sick. Mm-hmm. That's why you need those duality. That's why sometimes, unfortunately you need pain. Sometimes you do need pleasure. You need these different balances or whatever to keep you sane, to keep you stable, to keep you going. And for me, I no longer separate the two. I think it's both in existence and it can be simultaneous. And it's just up to us, you know, navigate through that and understand that at this point. But that absolutism, never again. It's too hard. I am right on that train with you. I totally get it. And I think that's one of the things that I'm coming to wake up to more is that heaven and hell and whatever our conceptualization of it, of those places or states or whatever, the fact that they both exist and can exist in the now moment like there can be the paradox of both light and dark existing I think I focused for so many years of my life trying to express as a light person while dealing with an internal darkness and so when I woke up I you know, basically sounded the alarms like, hey, there's a ton of darkness inside of me. I am not who you think I am. And now trying to reintegrate the true light and the true heaven realms and the places where I actually find joy and love and connection with other people. It's like a foreign territory because I was, I wasn't doing it as authentically as I thought I was doing it Mm. however many years ago. Well, that's why it's so funny even seeing you right now. And I mean, literally seeing you right now, mm-hmm. because what color are your nails right now? Black. And you're wearing all black. Or People don't understand. You used to wear more vibrant. Color. Like, I would have never seen you with black nails. I'd have never seen no, you looking never. as macabre and all that stuff, whatever, as yeah. you look right now. And guess what? I think you're more yourself now than you were back then. Absolutely. I think you're more happier now than you were back then, even though people would associate these things with more macabre, more sad looks, whatever. No, you're more. Think about it. Yeah. Going back to what I just said, if Lucifer must have felt like heaven had become a hell for him, so why don't we think that he's happier ruling over hell now? And that's his heaven. Because he's mm-hmm. free from God, the first of God that's always trying to dictate his everything or whatever, and not letting him be himself. Mm-hmm. And he gets to rule all he wants. 
because people are scared to say things like that because of what it might mean, what it might mean and what it exposes of, you know, what is really a heaven, what is really a hell. And I'm curious, I'm like stuck on when you were saying what it might mean, what do you think it might mean? It strips the biblical God of all his power. You realize he is also the enemy. He can be just as much as you think he's your savior, he's your enemy. It's not really about, you know, understand that Lucifer could be in heaven in his hell. It's just understanding that in breaking away from God, he gained his freedom. And I'm only using a story because I'm not really taking this literal, but I really do believe in his break from God and the reason why he had to go to war with heaven, it's really talking about his Lucifer gaining consciousness. And if you mm. realize, how do we know that that would be the case of the story? Because what does Lucifer do, do a few thousand years later? He tries to bring consciousness to Adam and Eve. Mm. That's his very first act to, to is, is to try to bring consciousness to Adam and Eve. So that lets you know that he loved gaining consciousness and he wanted humanity to experience that. Because God can just be, be just as much as your oppressor as he is your savior. If you give him all that power, then yes, it can. Think about the terms like the slavery. We always think about slavery, right? Who was the oppressor there? Master, right? Isn't God a master? And is he always, I mean, come on, man. How many worlds has he destroyed or whatever if you go by these stories? How many things has he let happen to people because they didn't believe in him? Like you have more religions that think that, you know, you have to subjugate people if they don't believe in him. Like they can't, you can't even criticize him. He's the one thing that you can't criticize. Can't question, yeah. yeah. Oof, you just my mind is just expanded that much more. Damn. Okay. Um. So, with that, what do you think freedom is? Uh, it's still a concept I'm still trying to uh, deal with, but I think it's living life without shackles, and I mean from the physical and metaphysical plane. Because I even find even in spirituality especially with a lot of the dogma that happens in the spiritual community. Yeah. You have even spiritual shackles from even that. For sure. Because some of it has become very dogmatic and doctrinal. And I'll even say, and we, me and you have had talks like this before, spirituality is starting to become a religion. If you, uh, if you it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. And so for me, it's living life without those things. Mm-hmm. It is. And being okay with the fact that people may think of you as a devil. People may view you as a black sheep or something like that. That is yeah. fine. That is fine. Again, Harry got looked at as an oddball by the Dursleys because he was mad. I'm yeah. okay with that. I'd much rather be magical or heretic and all that than, than you know, just going along with the crowd. Because, again, you know, <laughs> that's not freedom, believe me. That's not. Like, I, I can't. <laughs> and it, it people don't even understand how exhausting that lifestyle can be because every day you're walking on eggshells, are you pissing up? You know, the big man upstairs. Like, right. Oh, I do this. And if I yes. find pleasure in doing this sinful, like if I find carnal pleasure before marriage, like, come on, man. Yeah. Like that doesn't even make sense. Those type of dogmatic principles keep us bound to just slave mentality. It mm. makes slaves all, it keeps us so further away from class classes. It does. You know, with that, as much as I question Christianity and religion and dogma, I still have a very active relationship with what I would now call Christ consciousness, but within Christianity is the Jesus character. And because I do believe that 
Jesus was on a completely different trip and people didn't understand what he was actually saying. Because I believe from what I read in my own interpretation is that he was such an internally empowered being. He was able to have the knowledge and the recognition that God lives in me. And so does Satan. I can go into the wilderness and have a conversation with the darkest aspect of my soul while holding on to this truth that I know that I am the lightest aspect. I am part of the lightest aspect. And this darkness is one with all that I am. And so with that lens and when I read the red letters in the Bible, it feels as though that consciousness was coming in And you say, it was interesting that you said that Satan aimed to bring consciousness to humanity because I think that's also what Jesus was doing, trying to awaken society, humanity to the fact that we are both. It's this and that. There's no duality in between God and the devil they're both the same, it's the same. There's a pluralistic way. There's so many different ways that we can express. That's literally what it is. And if you read some of the old ancient Egyptian and ancient civilization texts, Jesus and Satan are the same thing. They're the same thing. They're the first son of God or whatever. They're the first in a nation. They are one and the same. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss because let's look at, Biblical Jesus, um, let's look at his time on earth and what he did. He was a heretic. He was a heretic. He's Absolutely. A heretic. Why do, what, okay, he's the king of Jews, right? So why do Jews reject him? Because he went against the Jewish doctrine. He opened mm-hmm. the world to Gentiles. He gave consciousness, whatever. He gave the ability to have salvation in God's kingdom. He opened it up to non-Jews. But mm-hmm. He went against religion. That's the thing, but that's the thing that people miss. He died as a heretic. So the yeah. same way the Inquisitioners killed other people for being heretics, for going against, quote-unquote, Jesus or their interpretation of that. Right. Jesus died that same way. Exactly. Which, that's what I think the whole, it, it's like the cosmic joke. It's like we have been worshiping in such a way where we don't even understand what it is we're worshiping. It's just this dogma that we've been handed down, and then we actually believe that what we're doing is right when we can't see the humanity in other people and how what we're doing is impacting the other. Again, I think all, put it this way, I would never say that I'm fully against religion because I do think religion has certain truths in it. The problem is there are truths that got piecemealed apart and yeah. split so that we always have the confusion. People only think of the confusion that happened in the world as the Tower of Babel, where, you know, where the, all the different languages and stuff yeah. uh, emanated and that confused and divided men. Nah, religion did the same exact thing. It was a multi-pronged attack that happened on humanity to basically devolve us into this state. And once you become aware of that, because again, for me, whether Jesus exists or not is, I think there are lessons to be learned from that story. Whether you look at Jesus, whether you look at the previous iteration of Krishna, Horus, all these different things, yeah, there are things to be learned. I can even still believe that Jesus is literally the Son of God that rises every day, and there's some you know esoteric meaning to that. For me, though, what I choose to do is that I do think that to be Christ-like is to question. There's a reason why Socrates and all them always talking about you want to question life, you want to examine life, because that's the lesson of what Jesus is teaching us. That's the lesson of what Jesus was teaching us. Jesus, not only is a heretic, 
he declares himself the king of kings. He declares the king of kings of everything. Like he really talks himself up. He yeah. really was self-confident. So he gave zero fucks. Like if people respected Jesus gangster, not because I'm saying right now, Jesus become doper to me even when I don't believe in him than mm-hmm. when I did. Because you start to appreciate what he was. Yeah. And I am this comfortable with my truth forever. I don't give a damn that I might die or whatever. Like, Jesus is closer to Tupac than this weak figure that religion makes him to be. I mean, he is to me. Like, he really is. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah, and I wish more people understood because you would appreciate that figure. You know, when I was in seminary, it came out. Like, that first year of seminary, basically, I blame for the (laughs) deconstruction of my faith because you have to dig into the history of how the Bible was put together by humans. And I also came to the awareness that whenever the authority, the religious authority would come to Jesus and ask him a question, how would he respond? With a question. He's constantly questioning. Always speaks in parables. Like it is so, they teach us that in law school, by the way. They also say Mm -hmm. that sometimes the answer is just maybe. And and it's so great because you can write a long essay, but then the answer is maybe. It depends. It depends. That's so scary because we live in a yes or no society. Right. It's a du- yes. Think, and we it's think not. we're living in a dualistic world, and it's actually something a little more interesting than that. Because the problem, and this is why you see even book the Book of Enoch's and a bunch of other texts that deal with the fact that we're aliens and all these different and all these different things. Yeah. Not taken out. If you ever take the humanity from man, he or she will realize they are open to limitless possibilities. Right. Because you have to think of things. All the planets, whatever, just like Jupiter is like God, God, and all that stuff, whatever. Even the planets themselves have certain religious meanings to them. But yet we divorce ourselves from that because the powers that shouldn't be never want us leaving this realm. Mm-hmm. And people always talk about vibrating out of this realm, like, oh, you know, once I, you know, become conscious, whatever, I'm going to vibrate out of this realm. It doesn't actually mean that you literally physically vibrate out of this room like chasing the Argonauts where you leave, you know, the toroidal belt. No, it just means that you wake up like you just you realize that I am. Yeah. You realize that, you know, you are bigger than just, you know, the sum of your parts. And, you know, you, you start to realize things that, that, you know, go beyond just the mundane. Because, again, once I realize that, you know, I'm not controlled by the man upstairs, everything became possible now. Like, you don't have to fear the man upstairs no longer, nor do you have to fear the man downstairs. The mythology actually does a better job of explaining that than, unfortunately, religion. And that was going to be my next point is once you stop fearing an external God and once you stop fearing an external Satan, who is there left to fear but yourself? The only thing you should fear is yourself. The only thing you should big up is yourself. The only thing you should fear yourself. And you really shouldn't fear yourself. But if you're going to have fear, it should be for yourself. If you're mm-hmm. going to do that. Because if you realize a lot of things that happened to you or whatever was to more or less in your control, obviously there are certain things that weren't, but you know, you're an active creator to this experience. And for me, once I became aware of that, man, you can't go fearing outside of it because again, you're giving them your power and you are just, you never get to live, man. I'm telling you, because to me to live in a sense, it's like that where you can't be yourself. Where yeah. You cannot question. He's the one unquestionable thing. Are you kidding me? I feel that though. Yeah. The one free from land, but he's doing all these fucked up things. I think it goes back to the idea that we as humans have projected so much of our own consciousness onto God. So any of a lot of the God stories that I've heard and that I've believed in 
once I realized and had my own interpretations of what was actually happening and how it was such an internal story versus an external story, we can really see how human consciousness was projected. And then we worship and honor this deified version of our own reflection. But, but you, and you know why I think that ends up happening is because the downside, I would say, I guess, and it's not really a downside, but it, it can be to obviously people that are either coming into this or people that just deal with this. Mm-hmm. The downside of reclaiming your power is now all the bad and all the scary stuff is now on you. There's right. nobody to hold your hand and all that stuff. And that scares people. I think at a certain point, humanity got tired of that, got tired of dealing with the darkness. Like if you notice, even in Greek mythology, once you die in your transition or whatever, at a certain point, you deal with the darkness and all that stuff whatever, before you transition to the, the, the heaven realm. And what I heard was that a lot of people got scared of doing that or whatever. So they conceded that power to another man. Mm-hmm. And that's how you got went from we had these monotheistic gods or whatever, and we had all, all this mythology to now we have religion. Because it's so much easier to just submit that power and have somebody hold your hand because quite as it's kept, even adults want to have their hands out for life. They for do. Sure. No, I, I know that because one of the first thoughts that happened when, you know, I, I had my crash last year was, man, I miss my mom. Like, I, I just mm-hmm. miss having some adult or whatever to take away the pain, do all that stuff when I fall or whatever, something like that just going to help me up, whatever, help navigate me through the shit. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you're doing this mission, when you're living this type of lifestyle, you rarely get those moments, man. It's on you. Like it's solo dole a lot of times, whatever. You got to, you got to be okay with dealing with infinite hells and heaven. You were one of the first super that said that to me. And that still is one of the most consequential things I've ever heard is that you told me once or whatever that when you pass, you can enter into another hell or another heaven. And I'll just remember thinking like, what? Like you don't just, cause even in the spiritual community, they teach it like almost like you ascend to another, you know, mm-hmm. you ascend to like true heaven or something like that, some, or some higher consciousness. And you're like, no, you could ascend to another hell. You can go transition to another. And I'm just like, and the only reason I knew that you had to be correct is because I could have been in a hell world previously before coming here. Mm-hmm. And people don't even understand that that's possible. Like that's just like, you automatically need that. And that's the reason why I, uh, networks like Disney Channel and all that stuff exists and are so powerful on people is because mm. people always believe there has to be a happy ending to every goddamn thing, even mm. though life teaches you constantly that it's not the damn case. That is not the case. It, it's not the case because life is an ever, it's the everlasting story. Exactly. There is no, this is, we're living in a loop, in a circle. It's a cycle. Exactly. We're cycling through our lives. There isn't an end. And if there is an end, nothing matters anyway. Exactly. But that's why religion was so powerful because it taught, the biggest thing that it taught was finality. Yeah. That there's an end. And that's the thing that people fear. Think about that. A lot of the gods, if you look at the, the mythology, a lot of the gods, when they came and they visited, obviously, mythologically speaking, yeah. when they came and they visited man and all that stuff, the reason why they wanted to do that was because there was a finality to this realm. There yeah. was beauty in that finality. When you can have everything you want or you can do anything you want and it just always goes right or always goes the way you want, it's boring. That's the thing that people don't Bo- get. Boring Life as fuck. Yes. It's exciting. Yeah. It's the reason why some of us... <laughs> Keep staying in the simulation. Keep coming back to the because Earth is one of the best rides in the cosmic plane. 
It just is. It is so scary. It is dangerous. Like even when people make the memes and they show the aliens on now on this episode of Earth, they don't get that. That's literally us. That's little, that's a joke. That's literally what we're doing. Or whatever. And it's yeah. fun doing this shit. It is fun, unfortunately, going through our It is because it's dramatic. It's exciting. We are literally living out a soap opera, but we don't get it. We don't mm. get that, that that's what it is. We're living out our own soap operas that we've written and, you know, co-wrote with, you know, the infinite and all that stuff. But it's just, if we choose to continue to believe in the finality of everything and we don't open up, waking up to things, then we're going to keep going the same way that we've been going. People yeah. are going to be constantly living in fear because that's that's the atmosphere right now. And that's the energy of right now. It's just fear. Like I said before, and like, you know, we're running this simulation into the ground. <laughs> it's becoming less and less fun. Bro. Yeah, I mean, and just going back to the fear thing is, and, and you know this, but I was raised in a fear bubble. And so now that there's so much like external fear and everywhere you look, it's just this is wrong and this is... Like, yes, literally so much is wrong in our external frame. There is so much that can be corrected, if you will. But one thing I learned from my childhood is that in order to keep a person in the state of being that you want them to stay in, in order to keep them submissive, to keep them controlled, to keep them docile and quiet... You have to sustain that level of fear that if they free themselves from that state of being, that bad things will happen. So I I do think it's a radical move for us to say that there is less to fear and more to gain in being able to recognize that there's no end to this. There's no end, whether we're calling it a game or whether we're just calling it life. In, In my own personal experience with whether I died and came back or I I don't know what happened in my attempt but I didn't end like I was still having experiences outside of my physical body yeah so it's like what do you do with that what do you do with all of the thousands probably millions of people at this point who have had near-death experiences who have been dead on surgical tables and they come back and tell you that the death of their physical body was not the end of their experience of their consciousness. You're either going to view them as crazy or think they were hallucinated, or you're going to go give credit again to something outside yourself. Yeah. So, and the reason why that's easier for them to do is because, man, if you realize that people would live life so differently if we went back to realizing this is not the end. Yeah. There's a reason why the ancestors of somebody that were far more advanced than people think and were capable of greater consciousness and greater feats than what we do now mm-hmm. because they were not limited by this limiting belief system, which is religion. And that's all it is to me. It is just a limiting belief system because, again, it keeps you from doing so much in this human space because you're rooted on if I do this, consequences there's more to this than just the things you can see mm-hmm. and people think of that but then they just they fall into the faith trap the, the the faith trap of just you know well just you know i have faith that you know something else will take care of it and that's where things get messed up but no nah, man there, there are bigger things going on than just the things you can see in fact i think the unseen is much more paramount to you know what's going on in your life than the, the scene because again, he goes back to even the inner child healing. A lot of that stuff was suppressed memories, man. Suppressed memories that just unraveled me. Exactly. I was thinking that it was the physical thing of what happened on that Valentine's Day, uh, 2021. Nah. 
it will certainly not mighty three ninety four ninety five whatever that I forgot that I put in a closet that I thought that you know I had took care of and I had. Mm-hmm. And that's the the brilliant thing though in doing that inner inner family system work, inner child work, shadow work, all these different names for the same type of work. In order to do it, though, you have to enter back into those unseen realms. You have to enter back into your own imagination, your own memory. And we all know how fuzzy memory is and how non... Memory is so close to to myth for me. There is a truth in it, but it's not going to be an exact literal truth of the facts that happened because for me my experiences my memories are very much connected to my feelings my emotions how I experienced whatever I was going through irregardless almost of what was actually happening in the moment so when I go back and do that inner child work I have to address that that child within me. And I also have to address the emotions that I remember feeling, even if that wasn't the actual reality of the situation that I was in. Yeah, that's literally all I'm doing. Um, a lot of what I'm doing and, you know, inner child or inner child healing and all that stuff. And um, just ancestral clearings and all those other stuff, just going back, mm-hmm. replaying certain episodes or whatever, trying to, clean or do whatever I am supposed to do for that. But I mean, again, it's tough. It's tough. It's not, I don't like, I don't do the thing that I notice a lot of spiritual community does and look at people that aren't, you know, awake or online or using their quote unquote third eye mm-hmm. as less than they're not less than they are a part of, they are yeah. a part of the kind of houses. They just happen to be stuck just like I was at one point. And arguably still are like we still are stuck yes. in the place that's of the consciousness thing, but, that we're in. That's yeah. the thing is that the spiritual community thinks that they have it all figured out. And I'm like, dude, how many times do you, do you go through problems and challenges every day? Then? And if you have it all figured out, then how are you ever going through problems? How are you ever having dilemmas? Right. How are you ever having emotions? How are you ever hurting? How are you ever like, come on. We never, we never fully have it figured out until quote-unquote whenever the quote-unquote end is and i don't believe that there's an end so i don't think we ever fully straight there's always something new to learn that's the the, the beauty of like that's the sick cosmic joke yeah it's we're just here to experience the, it's the never-ending story like that movie. that's all it is the never-ending story yep. I, mean, I totally agree so this was amazing like i i mean i love talking to it every time that we do it's just we get down so many different streams of thought and it goes in all kinds of different directions and I'm excited to be able to finally share one of those conversations just to see how I mean I I think we are all made up of multitudes like we present an external version of ourselves for the external world to consume but unless we speak what's on the inside nobody will ever know and so it's so fun for me to be able to introduce so many different friends of mine and you can really see how we can all interrelate and connect with one another and be a part of the tapestry that is humanity and I love it and I'm super grateful that you came on I am so extremely grateful that you're in my life and I appreciate you so much and do you want people to find you and if so how can they reach out uh, until I really um, 
recover from the crash of last year. Right now, I'm just on chill mode. I'm just like basically sure. just trying to rediscover myself. But once I'm out of it, yeah, oh yeah, I'll make myself known store. Cool. Oh, cool. No All problems right. doing that. I love it. Well, if you want to find me, I'm on Instagram at Mental Magic Podcast with a period in between each word. And thank you so much for listening. This was a wild ride. All right. Have a good one. Bye.